Talk Radio 191 FM podcast. Mr. Speaker. Oh, my old mate Josie, who was in the news last week, actually. Um, you can hear her throwing the dildo there. Oh, yes. Yeah. Banned yeah, from yeah. Uh, Waitangi. Yes, banned from Waitangi, indeed. And then was on um, Seven Days last mm. week as well. Mm. Yeah, having a good chat. Oh, she's great. She's amazing. Uh, throwing the dildo. Dildo. She apparently, <laughs> diddle. <laughs> apparently, she had a lot of practice. Oh, her, really? her and her flatmates are throwing them around <laughs> the place um, the, the week leading up. Yeah, I to guess it. maybe they're quite difficult to throw. Maybe I'd, heavier on one end and lighter on the yeah, other. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. perhaps. And, you know, not very aerodynamic. Well, yeah, not very aerodynamic. <laughs> it depends on how you throw it. You're like a javelin, I guess. But anyway, um, yeah, that was Josie. We should actually get her, oh, we should get her on the show. Hmm. I haven't had her on the show for a long time. Um, anyway, Morena, John. Yes, Kira. How are you, mate? I'm pretty good. Yeah. Good. That's yeah, I got marvelous. my beard trimmed yesterday. Oh, so I see. Yeah. I was going to say, lattes now. I can't tell. You can't tell? I can't tell. Oh, I feel hurt. You've <laughs> <laughs> got a big beard, mate. How can you tell? Uh, anyway, let's talk some politics. We're going to kick off with talking about the New Zealand Chinese relations. Um, New Zealand and China have had a chicken pass, let's be honest about it. Mm. Um, mostly on New Zealand's side of the coin, I would have to, have to say as well. Uh, well, in this nation, who knows what's going on with Kiwis over there? Probably nothing. Uh, but from discrimination on the gold fields, you know, the 1860s, oh, yes. uh, the poll tax in the 1880s and the Chinese Immigration Act that came in in the 1880s as well, mm. uh, Labour's yellow payroll tax in the early 20s, uh, early 20th century, I should say, uh, and then uh, a century later with Chinese-sounding names. Uh, we have never been that keen uh, as a nation on Chinese immigration. No. Even the, now. No. No. No, on both the left and the right. Yes, de- oh, without mm. doubt, without doubt. Mm. But, you know, they're our biggest trading partner, uh, and they're pissed off. Mm. And I think it's good that you bring up those examples of oppression of Chinese people yes. in New Zealand, because uh, when we think about how China projects itself in the world and how it interacts with Western nations, we have to remember that, that China went through a period of hu- humiliation. Uh, during the colonial period, where uh, um, you know Western powers uh, flowed into China, uh, set up little enclaves. There, there were the opium wars, of course, where uh, China wanted to stop the British bring opium into uh, China and get everyone addicted. And uh, in response, uh, Britain bombed uh, China with its ships. So yeah. um, th- th- there was a long period of humiliation. So, so when the Chinese government acts as it is now. In relation to New Zealand showing indirectly that it's very pissed off with the New Zealand government, we've got to remember that, yes, there's that legacy of humiliation and the Chinese are very sensitive when, when they perceive that Western powers are acting in a sort of a, as they would perceive, a colonial, a neo-colonial way. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the same term we also did help liberate China from the Japanese. Yeah, that, that that is uh, true. Um, I, I guess from the point of view of a lot of um, uh, Asian people, though, and Chinese, uh, when Western powers defeated the Japanese, uh, they also reoccupied large parts of um, Asia, including India was reoccupied by the... well. 
was continued to be occupied by the British. Uh, the Dutch East Indies, which is now Indonesia, was reoccupied by the Dutch. Uh, Vietnam, Cambodia and Laos were reoccupied by the French. So it was really a shift from uh, a new colonial power, mm. Japan, to the old colonial power, um, the old Western colonial powers. And and um, and when uh, you had the revolution in China uh, with Mao, uh, the, the Chi- the um, the Western powers certainly tried to uh, thwart that that sort of statement of of firm independence. Mm. That's not to uh, uh, um, praise Mao; uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very brutal. But mm. yes. <laughs> um, well, what's going on now? I mean, um, everyone's talking about this Huawei decision, um, and well, they're talking about the aeroplanes got nothing to do with anything. Um, but you know, there's been other things like the countermeasures from New Zealand and the Pacific. You know, oh. trying to you know, because of course China's going in there and lending money uh, all over the shop. Mm. Um, so New Zealand's trying to pretty much do the same thing. Uh, you've got Ron Marks, this, uh, the uh, statements last year with the strategic defence policy, um, when uh, um, which granted the coalition government. Um, oh no, no, sorry. Um, so the coalition government um, went in and, you know, they've been quite quiet about Ch- South China Sea and, and China's strategic movements, but then Ron Marx comes out and mm. says, well, actually, um, and, and make some big statements on and China. And Winston Peters as well. Yeah, and, and Winston. Mm. And, and, um, and then you had, in 2016, the Five Points Defence Agreement exercise in the South China Sea itself. Mm. New Zealand sent in uh, warships mm. and stuff f- um, to do a bit of a parade and exercises with Malaysia and Canada and a couple of other nations as well. Um, so we've been stirring a bit. We've been stirring oh, a bit. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, well, the wider context of all this, of course, and all those examples you give, is the, the tensions between America and China. Uh, and um, so all those examples of New Zealand trying to counter Chinese influence in the South Pacific, uh, of those joint military exercises, um, it's all in the context of New Zealand choosing a side. And this new coalition government arguably is more uh, leaning towards the American side than the previous national-led government. The previous national-led government, yes, was uh, uh, declared that New Zealand is aligned with um, uh, with America and its allies, uh, but was also very careful and, and very cautious in not upsetting China and, and, and fostering those good economic relations, whereas this new government uh, has, yes, and Arguably, um, New Zealand First is pushing this with, like you said, Ron Marks and Winston Peters is taking a more um, hard line against China and is showing more explicitly that it's on the side of America. And that's where this whole uh, Huawei, which is a Chinese-owned company, uh, a, a private company, um, ostensibly it's actually a, a workers' cooperative, believe it or not, where mm. 99% mm. of the shares are controlled by the Chinese employees. But uh, nonetheless... Uh, New Zealand chose to stop um, Huawei rolling out a 5G plan in New Zealand in cooperation with Spark. And this was done purely because um, the Trump administration was telling its allies not to allow Huawei uh, to to roll out 5G plans in their countries because of uh, supposed security risks. Yeah, but the chairman of Huawei and the, I think, the economic officer who was arrested in Canada... Uh, both have strong links to the government, 
Absolutely. Both uh, party members, uh, high-ranking party members. Mm. I think the one that was resident in Canada, she was a former military operative or something mm. along those lines. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's those kinds of fears that they could be easily swayed by those up high to put back doors in and that kind of stuff. Mm. But are we, you know, we're, we're, we're a nation, right? We're New Zealand. We're our own sovereign nation, and are we too scared to rock boats, or should we be able to do so? You know, are we too scared of our, you know, losing our fair trade uh, agreement, or, or you know, losing some economic ties, uh, less imports, and uh, less Chinese people coming over here and spending their money? Are we more worried about that than actually being a sovereign nation and standing on our own two feet and saying, well, this is what we think's right and this is what we think's wrong, and, and we should be able to say what the fuck we want to say? Well, I, I think in terms of, of governments, uh, regardless of who's in power, if it's national-led or labour-led, they're always deeply concerned about uh, New Zealand's relations with other countries in the world, especially its major uh, political allies, military allies, and its major economic um, friends, in a sense. And uh, so New Zealand's a small country. Uh, it relies heavily on um, its export trade as well as tourism and increasingly Chinese tourism. And so I think when um, both either in the case of Labour or National, yeah, that they, when, yes, they're not, they're not puppets of any particular power, but uh, they're very cautious and careful in how they operate in the world. And you've got this case where the two major powers uh, that are, are clashing in geopolitics are China and America, uh, and America is New Zealand's traditional military political ally, whereas China is now our biggest trading partner. And it, it, it throws New Zealand into um, a, a, a huge sort of uh, problematic mess where what does it do um, um, if, it, if it sides too closely with China or piss off America? And of course, Trump has. Um, uh, given favourable status in, in many ways to New Zealand in terms of trade, um, whereas at the same time he's putting up trade barriers. Mm. Um, and so if, if New Zealand pisses off Trump and the American administration, that would hurt New Zealand economically and politically, and likewise with China. So this Labour government's chosen to side with America, effectively, pissed off China. And I don't know if... <laughs> the government ministers are disingenuous or even if they're a bit stupid but they claim there is no um, blowback from China uh, yeah. that nothing's wrong, that everything's hunky-dory so either they're lying and they know that's not true and I suspect that they're just blatantly lying yeah. or uh, they're a bit stupid, which I'd say they're not <laughs> You don't think they're just trying to quell the people? say, eh, we'll be right, mate, and then secretly back, to, back uh, behind the closed doors, they're frantically working to oh, solve I'm sure the they're issues. frantically working to fix relations, but it's not working. Uh, um, um, ministers of, of the New Zealand government uh, are not getting visas to travel to China. They're having their visas turned down. Um, and, um, yes, uh, meetings. Uh, Jacinda Ardern was, uh, is meant to be going to China. Uh, she hasn't been able to get a um, permission to go to China. And uh, um, so it's it's a real mess. It's um, it's real blowback. Yeah. And I guess this government doesn't want to scare the general public into thinking that New Zealand might be going through a period of um, of 
economic hurt yeah. um, if China is going to really push hard against New Zealand, and it's and it's a re- it's a result of Labour Party policy in regard to 5G and Huawei and aligning too closely with America. If we hadn't listened to the GCSB though on the Huawei decision, I mean they pretty much well it's not even a, a case of listening to them. They could say yay or nay. They had the power to say mm. yes or no, and if they, if the GCSB said no, then the government had to listen, right? Um, it has to listen. But, uh, I mean, the government is sovereign and parliament is sovereign, uh, so it, it, it doesn't have to abide by any... I thought they were tied in. They had to abide by what the GCSB had said. In terms of legislation. And in terms of, of the rollout of, of, of um, you know sensitive networks like the 5G. I thought that they pretty much said... That, well, I thought I read something like that. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, uh, governments, in, at the end of the day, even if there's legislation um, which um, did condition the government to follow uh, advice from our spy agencies, um, it can change the legislation mm. whenever it likes. So, um, but the, the, our spy agencies are clearly getting the information from America well, and five, other five eyes. Five, Allies, and and the question is, are they just um, blindly following what what say American spy agencies are saying? How can you be blind when you got five eyes? Uh, <laughs> come on, come on. Um, what is this all Chorus's fault? Should they have even allowed um, Huawei to tender in the first place? Uh, you know, should they ha- should they have seen this? You know, has, should the government, when they put out the tender process, have foreseen this issue? And said, "Well, maybe we shouldn't, let, because I mean, these it, it had already happened in other nations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But by the time it had, it had happened here, but I'm pretty sure Canada's systems, Huawei, mm-hmm. and, and they rolled out 5G there, um, and I'm pretty sure they've rolled out 5G in American cities. Mm-hmm. Well, the question is: Is this really about security risks, or is this all part of a wider strategy of the Trump administration to to economically hurt?" China. So, um, yes, I'm sure there are some security concerns over um, Huawei uh, rolling out a 5G plan, but the argument is that this is really to do with an economic and political war between America and China. And in, in New Zealand, it's just blindly abiding by what the Trump administration is telling them to do. Well, what do we do? I mean, where do you? What do you do? Where mm-hmm. do you go? Who do you side with? Mm-hmm. Can you be Switzerland here? Is there any room to be Switzerland? Um, is there any room not to be Switzerland? Uh, <laughs> again, China's New Zealand's biggest trading partner. Um, and if, uh, I mean, Chinese people are very aware of the hypocrisy. Oh, they've when, when Western, but when Western powers uh, turn against China and tell them that they're being authoritarian or that they're engaging in uh, spying actions on other countries or they're being mischievous in international relations. They're very aware that Western powers uh, control most of the world at one stage through um, conquering, militarily conquering um, um, what became subjugated subjugated nations and, you know, with America's, uh, how America projects itself in the world, you know, um, um, engineering coups, uh, invading other countries. So when um, countries like New Zealand and America criticise China, they're highly sensitive over that and, they, and they're very aware uh, of the hypocrisy that's at play. Oh, you would be. You would be. I mean, mm. look at the level of imprisonment in, uh, in the United States. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's... Um, so, I mean, this is obviously a developing story and uh, more is going to come out 
uh, over the, the coming weeks because mm. um, I mean I'm sure it's been going on a long for a long time in the back room but we're only starting to mm. hear details I mean I expect now. to back down from this government oh uh, without not not an open back down but yeah. uh, they'll, they'll I think this Labour administration now realises that they've stuffed up that they've really pissed off the Chinese and if it starts economically hurting New Zealand the general electorate suddenly suddenly turn towards the government and say hey is this because of your policies in regards to aligning with America and and in the whole debacle um, with Huawei that now we're, we're economically hurting. Interesting. Right, let's talk about Jordan Peterson, although we probably shouldn't give him too much oxygen, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a story. Um, good enough yesterday on uh, another station, but Jordan, Professor Jordan Peterson, I call him a professor, well, he is, uh, he did the study. Uh, he's coming. He's coming to Aotearoa he to, to stir, to stir the pot. Um, you know, I don't trust anyone that doesn't eat vegetables. To be honest, he's all pure. He doesn't eat a single vegetable. He stopped eating vegetables in the middle of last year, apparently. Um, so I can't trust him. But apparently it helped his depression. So, I mean, if it did, then then I'm all for it. But still, mm-hmm. you don't eat vegetables. Do but you who, trust people who only eat vegetables? Oh, no. No, even, they're even worse. <laughs> even worse. Why do you? No, of course I do. Sorry to all my family. Uh, and to every vegetarian and vegan out there, love you all. Um, Jordan Peterson, coming to Aotearoa. Uh, who is he? Give us a little bit of a rundown on who he is. I mean, he's got a, quite an academic background. He was uh, a professor at Harvard, a mm. professor at the University of Toronto. Uh, you know, he'd written many books, and then he made some YouTube posts about uh, pronouns, and he became uber-famous. Yes, probably, uh, I would say, the most famous public intellectual in the world now. Um, I was staying at a... What about uh, Norm? <laughs> Norm? Yeah. Who's Norm? Norm, what's his face? Oh, you keep going. Okay. So, yes, Jordan Peterson is a public intellectual and uh, academic uh, from um, Canada. Um, he he became most famous, as you said, through putting out a series of um, YouTube videos, mostly sort of like a, um, a, a guide for life and, and, and how to change yourself into a better person. So then he put out this book, 12 Rules for Life, uh, which became... Ah yes, Norm Chomsky. Yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Norm! Uh, Not the one from Cheers. <laughs> now Jordan Peterson is mega famous. His opponents accuse him of being alt-right, of a uh, Western chauvinist, if not a, um, a, a, a white nationalist racist. Um, he's also been accused of being transphobic and, and sexist and homophobic. Um, where he became um, particularly uh, infamous was when Canada was passing some laws to effectively outlaw misgendering people. So um, deliberately not using the pronouns, gender mm. pronouns that people want to be used for them individually. So let's say a, a transgender woman wants to be called she or wants to be called they, uh, th- this this would enforce um, in certain circumstances um, um, people having to use the appropriate pronoun. Now, Jordan Peter said said this was authoritarian uh, on one hand, so he he opposed this law from a classical liberal point of view, that the the state is overreaching, uh, and also from his own um, 
what he would call a scientific based and historical based point of view where um, biology is is determining uh, so there are clear uh, differences between men and women and the whole transgender ideology is um, is is bogus and but is he, countering empirical he's facts. just looking at a f- uh, from a physical term he's mm. not looking at it from a psychological and you think he would be but from a psychological point of point of mm. I mean yeah because he's feel, a psychologist so yeah. yeah yeah so I mean the way you feel and uh, is the way you feel mm. right uh, so uh, so that should determine who you are yeah and to me it's basic politeness that um, if uh, people want a certain gender pronoun used for them that you use it uh, mm. that you acknowledge uh, their own internal feelings of, of who they are and what they are now of course there, there are a, whole, a lot of problematic questions over gender and biological sex um, um some of the more nuanced, say, uh, new feminists are coming out and saying, well, um, yes, there is the concept of biological sex, uh, which is to do with chromosomes and genitalia, etc., and, and hormones, and then there is gender, which is uh, socially prescribed ideas around masculinity and femininity, and there's actually a, a fluid relationship between the two. So, in, in um, or a dialectical relationship between the two. That that um, so for some societies, for example, um, there's very little concept of there being actually distinct males and distinct females. Um, there's some Papua New Guinean tribes, for example, which don't even use gender pronouns and don't have a strong conception of there being two distinct genders. There's other cultures historically where there's three, four, five different genders. And if you've travelled to Southeast Asia from Indonesia to Thailand, you realise it's, it's a strong part of those cultures mm. that, that there aren't just men and women woman in in, uh, I guess more uh, Christian uh, centred Europe historically um, gender identities were imposed in a very strict way so the problem with Jordan Peterson is yeah that he's uh, taking a certain line on gender sex and uh, which could be argued as a conservative line and and that's offending many people Yeah. yeah should he come or should he not come I think he should absolutely come, yeah. and I think the major problem with the left and liberals who oppose him is they, uh, they're not prepared to engage with people like Jordan Peterson, and they don't have the arguments to, to counter him. Um, my favourite philosopher my fa- two favourite philosophers are Jim Flynn here at the University of Otago and awesome. and and they both are prepared to en- engage and argue with people on the right, who who may have sexist or even uh, racially defined ideas, and they come out come up with very nuanced and powerful arguments against these people. Groups like uh, Auckland Peace Action that uh, had a bombshell of a interview uh, a couple of days oh, ago, uh, they don't. Their their perspective might be right that Jordan Peterson is a dick, but they don't have the arguments to counter him because yep. they their line is. You ban and you inoculate against these people. You ban and you inoculate. You just give them more power. You give them more power, and you end up, um, you end up um, not having, cr- um, uh, not creating the, the powerful arguments to counter these people. Mm. Mm. All right, thank you very much for that, John. Uh, see okay. you again Monday morning, mate. For sure. This was a Radio One ninety one FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.